I don't know about you. I'm going to, I'm going to preempt this because um, I feel like I could, I could explain everything I've been reading and putting together for this. And uh, it's been a bit of a journey because it's a, it's a hard one. And um, it's one that most of us can struggle with from time to time. And it's certainly um, one that, uh, that I can struggle with. And you kind of talk about this with different people, like the, the idea of... Um, you know, building a building a prayer life, prayer. It's a it's a challenging one, isn't it? And um, I did, but I just sensed so much, even this morning. And as as I was preparing, just so much of um, Jesus's brilliant, brilliant invitation to us is just so so amazing, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that we just like we come, we come from our kind of working weeks and our family weeks and stuff, and and He's really, really, really saying to us, come come to me and I, I want to I want you to come to me I want to reveal um, myself more fully to you and we we know we know that we don't have to come to this building to have a revelation of of who Jesus is we don't have to do that but there is something when we when we come together isn't there that we are saying we're together we're in this city and we are we are proclaiming we are seeing a revelation of of Jesus in, in, this, in these times, in these times, which leads me to think it's not that we're saying, oh, aren't we so special? But I do believe that we're leading through on something. We're leading through on, on celebration. We're leading through on um, our heart, our desire for, for intimacy, that actually saying, you can come, we can do this, and you can actually have an experience and meet with the real Jesus. In, in here, isn't that, it's insane, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that insane that you can kind of come into here and we can come together, Alison start playing on the piano and leading us and we can suddenly find that we're having an experience of Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. But who, who is thinking, right, great, isn't it great that we just get to do this every Sunday? I'm, I'm just boldly going to say, and I, I mean, I've, I've worked hard on all of this, you know, all this week. I want, I want this and, and that and these, the, the people sharing and, the, and a, a tongue and an interpretation and a revelation and all of that stuff. I, I want it going to, let's even say 100 people. Let's say 100 people even. There's people coming and having an introduction to the, um, a revelation of, of who Jesus is. That's, that's my hunger. That's my hunger. And I don't, um, please don't mishear me that I don't communicate by that, that you know, this, is, this is not enough and us being together right now is not enough or not good enough. It's so amazing. It's so amazing that how could we not want more and more people to come and taste this? How can we, how can we not want that? And I know introducing people to Jesus is not just through Sunday meeting, of course. It's, it's all of life. It's all of life. And it's being local in our neighbourhoods and amongst our work colleagues and all of that. But there is something so brilliant. But we've just, in this last hour, we've just been experiencing something so, so brilliant. And then you, you turn this way all these buses, there's people going to the zoo. Instead of, instead of this, they're going to the zoo. The zoo is great, isn't it? But people going off to the zoo, 
You know, see you, have a great time at the zoo. Well, we're, we're getting to meet Jesus. So <laughs> and of course, it's not, we don't judge anyone to go into the zoo. It's the kind of, that's the way, that's the direction and the shape of their life at, at this time until they meet the true, genuine, risen Jesus, until that happens. So why don't we, I'd love us to pray for that before we get started. Look, we, we, we're serious about this, aren't we? And Jesus, we, if someone else wants to pray as well, just, just get into it. Jesus, we, Jesus we, we love what you do when we're together. We love the way you're amongst us. And Lord, we love the confidence that we can feel to sing out and to to cry out our praise, to cry out our prayer, to read your word publicly. Lord, we love that. We love that. But, Lord, we, we look around and all of us here and then so many people going past these windows and, Lord, we cry out to you to move in this city. Lord, we cry out to you, Lord, to use this community to be introducers to Jesus. Lord, it's such a sweet, sweet thing to enjoy your presence this morning and just to wonder, oh, what's Jesus? What are you going to do next? Where are you going to take us next? It's such a, a sweet, sweet thing. Lord, we, we long for all to encounter that. Jesus, we long for all to feel that, to feel that sweetness, to feel that unexpressible love, language, bubbling up. We long for that, Jesus. Lord, we long for people coming up these steps that don't even know you and us preaching on Sundays and sharing spiritual gifts on Sunday, wondering, is this a believer? Has that person got any clue what's going on? We long for that. We pray, Jesus, Jesus, break out in this city. Lord, overflow out of our lives into this city. Overflow Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into this city. Lord, come, come flood, come intoxicate this city with your love, with your presence. Lord, overflow out of these gatherings. Make this an attractional gathering. Not because we dial it down and say, make it easy for seekers to come in, but because the glory of Jesus is here.
to share it with the people around us, Lord. We want to share it with the city of Alexandria, Finland, with the world. Lord, we, we don't want one person to pass away without knowing Christ as their Savior, without knowing the freedom and the liberty that comes from serving him. And your word says to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to hurl laborers into the harvest. That word send is actually a, a violent word, to hurl or toss into the harvest. Lord. So we ask that you, you throw laborers into the harvest here in Helsinki. Activate your people, Lord. We, we ask that you give us boldness, Lord, to reach out to our coworkers and our friends and our neighbors, Lord. Um, show us, Lord, who the, who the people of peace are. It said to go and look for the person of peace, the person who welcomes you into their home, Lord. And, and when you say, you know, your peace be upon them, they receive it. And so we ask that you show us who are those people of peace in our work, in our neighborhood, Lord, uh, on the street, Father. Where are those people who are going to invite us into their community and open the doorway for us to go into that community? And share the gospel. And, and we do ask, Lord, that this uh, risen light congregation, Lord, would be the risen light here in yeah. Helsinki. Yeah, that your light would shine through mm -hmm. us and through our lives, Lord. And, and where we are uh, shy, Lord, and there's cultural barriers, Father, that your Holy Spirit would bring us the words to say that it wouldn't be our own wisdom and our own actions, but it would be your Holy Spirit working through us, Lord, to reach those in need around us. Mm -hmm. Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Jesus says in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, ask and it will be given to you. That's what we've just been doing. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is, is talking about prayer, isn't he? And um, in chapter 6, Luke, I remember Luke uh, preaching to us on it. There's this uh, first wave of teaching on, on prayer that, uh, that Jesus gives. He um, kind of, he concludes it with the, the Lord's Prayer. But just beforehand, he's actually um, critical, isn't he, of loud, public, wordy prayer that's just for show. And um, he, he actually actively discouraged kind of long, repetitive stuff. He even calls it pagan, doesn't he? He said even the pagans can, can do this wordy stuff. And um, he, he contrasts it, doesn't he, with the omniscience of the Father, the fact that the Father knows everything anyway, so we don't need to explain it all and unpack it all because the Father already knows everything. And uh, even, even going back um, in, in the book of Isaiah, uh, it says, doesn't it, before they call, I will answer. 
while they are yet speaking, I will hear. So, so God knows everything. We don't need to inform him what to do through, through our prayer. Jesus cha- challenges us with that, challenges the disciples with that. And, uh, and we don't need to know everything. It's amazing, isn't it, that to, just to know that, that we don't, need to, we don't need to be God. We don't need to know everything. We don't need to be able to do everything. God knows everything. God can do everything. God can help everyone. We can't, but and we don't need to. We don't need to. And it's important to note that through that, Jesus isn't kind of putting us off the idea of persistence in prayer. He's not saying, yeah, don't even worry about prayer. I sometimes get troubled to hear people talk along the lines of, we don't really need to pray because God knows everything and just our kind of, you know, our minds and our, our lifestyle will be like a prayer and uh, he knows all of my thoughts anyway, so we don't really actually need to, to do anything. That's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about. And we know um, sometimes we have an idea. Is this what Jesus is saying? Uh, and then we have to kind of almost contrast that idea with what it says elsewhere in Scripture. Elsewhere, it says that um, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. So it's not saying, yeah, don't worry about prayer. It's actually saying pray Pray without ceasing. We can get into difficulty, can't we, if we just look at one short passage in isolation and start to say, oh, well, this means this now. And actually elsewhere it's saying all of this other stuff. So elsewhere it says pray without ceasing. And there are the parables, aren't there? One example of the, the, um, the unjust judge and the persistent widow. It's, it's keep going, isn't it? Keep going. Even going to this unjust judge, keep going. How much more would you then not keep going to someone who is not unjust. It's not a mixed, contrasting message. But it's a different emphasis that we're, we're starting to feel. So Jesus is not saying don't pray much. But that prayer without ceasing can only really be kept if first we're freed from the idea that we have God's ear, or his kind of hotline, mostly by means of um, excelling in our persuasive words and our persuasive activity, that that seals the, seals the hotline. My prayer will be so eloquent, my prayer will be so complex, that the Father certainly will have to hear me. How can he not be attentive to my great prayer? The paradox... Isn't it the paradox or the kind of the opposite, the opposite way is that only when it, it's relieved of this necessity of it being much and being really fancy will people really experience the freedom of much in, in prayer. That's what Jesus was saying earlier on in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he wanted us to get that beforehand. There was, uh, wasn't there, Calvin and, and Luther. Calvin really went for these, what he called the, the preparatory rites. So you, you prepare and you kind of almost present a very legal case to, to prayer. So in your kind of diligent preparation of, of how you lay a foundation of your words and your, you, you come to the point where you can make the big asking because you've kind of created the case beforehand. 
Luther said prayers should be brief, frequent, and intense. I like the sound of that one more, but I often find myself doing the other one, actually. Both those guys had good motives, right? They, they're both, the, the motives both is to excel in, in prayer. So we're not critiquing one of them. Um, Calvin's perspective was, um, you know, like this legal case, Luther's was kind of compelling and direct. I think we could even critique, is one saying, right, you know, approach, approach the holiness of God approach with reverence, and the other just almost like talking to a mate in the pub or something. We could even say that. But I think both come from a heart of really knowing who God is. And I think probably Luther's approach probably pointed to knowing who God is even more. So not understanding the dynamic of this relationship that he now has with the Father, that means he can pray brief frequent and intense, without actually almost am I being irreverent before God. We've heard it this morning, didn't we, that, that the Lord has opened the doors to us. We don't need to climb the kind of staircase to get there. He's, he's opened it out to us. So we can be brief. We can be um, frequent whenever we feel like it, not by, not by appointment. We can be intense Oh, sorry, was I getting a bit too intense there, Lord? No, we can, we can be intense with our prayer. He's not like a kind of royal family that we can only speak to if he speaks to us first and can't touch and, and all of that. We can be intense. My legalistic heart makes Calvin's approach make a lot more sense to me, if I'm honest, but I certainly think Luther's is more attractive. So today Jesus is saying, isn't he, ask, seek, knock in persistent prayer. Not just one time, but a life of asking, seeking, knocking in persistent prayer. But I do think it's interesting that earlier on in the Sermon on the Mount, he's just creating, he's just dismantling a bit of this idea that through our eloquence that we get further. He's just kind of dismantling that down a little bit. And I think he wants the, almost, how could you say, he wants, the, he wants the paint to dry on that bit before we go over with the next bit. He wants us to get that we are not subject to how well we can do and how well others can think of, of how we pray. He wants us to get that. But only so that he can then lay a foundation, use that as a foundation for then persistent prayer to, to come on top. Perhaps, perhaps even now you're thinking a response in your heart, you're feeling something, saying, yeah, I've known this. I've kind of known this truth. I've known this theology that I'm allowed to... Um, I'm allowed to kind of approach and allowed to, to be bold and all of that, but it just doesn't always enter into my heart position. And actually, when I break down my 
um, way of approaching prayer, often it's not really in keeping with what I know as a, a theology of grace. To move the Father's heart, I need to make this very solid case. The Father's so stiff and stuck and difficult to change that I have to make this very compelling case for him to to listen and to affect my prayers. The trouble with that way is it's very exhausting. It's very exhausting. And to imagine having to create this kind of compelling narrative around each prayer need that you have, it's just mind-blowingly exhausting. And very quickly, we then give up. With all of our, I'm going to pray for this every day, I'm going to do this, we actually find ourselves giving up so, so easily. After a few times of going through that, It's exhausting and you're done. There's no joy coming to you from that. There's no intimacy from that. It's just you creating your your case and you're done. I'm I'm a school teacher and I love to explain things very clearly and very piece by piece. That's that's how I like to, to do. I don't believe in kind of throwing something onto the kids to do that they don't really, they can't really navigate their way through, they don't really understand what they're doing. That's, that's my way. So I'm often quite slow, quite meticulous to explain things. Other people have a very different style. But bringing that kind of thing to prayer doesn't really take me closer to the Father. It doesn't make me more sure of who it really is that I'm addressing. Perhaps if you think of your own prayer life now, you think of your own times when you want to to pray. And maybe you're thinking of things that you might pray for. What What would I use my prayer time for? What would I, or who would I pray for? What would happen? Maybe you're thinking of, yeah, okay, I pray for my, pray for my family members, pray for my my husband or my wife, I pray for my children, and then I can pray for my neighbours in my neighbourhood. And then I've got the people that I work alongside and my colleagues, so I pray for them. And, uh, and then I've also got this kind of issue going on at workplace issue, so I need to pray for that. And then I'm worried for my finances, so I pray for this. And I've got this big decision, or actually these five big decisions to make, so I pray for those. And then I'm, I'm stressed about this. And then I also have these dreams of the future of what might happen in my life, so I've, I pray for that. And then um, I want people to to be saved and I want my whole building to be saved and I want my workplace to everyone to be saved and everyone on the streets and uh, everyone on my journey to church and all of that I want all of that to happen and it's uh, it's such a lot of things (laughs) it's such a lot of things and it's not too many because these are all these are all things that you have a heart for it's not too many but it's a lot to manage we carry a lot in our hearts don't we Put your hand up if you feel like, yeah, I carry a lot of things in my heart. A lot of decisions, a lot of anxieties, a lot of hopes. Carry a lot in our hearts. 
there's a lot going on in life, isn't there? There's a lot going on in this church. We, we just started, didn't we, by crying out to God, and there's a, there's a lot going on here. All the people, all the needs, all the dreams that we know people have, all the things that we'd love to see happen in this community. It feels overwhelming to imagine kind of praying in a way that can factor in all of those things in the right way, in the right language, in the most persuasive way. It's, it's a daunting one, isn't it? Perhaps you find then, in light of that, maybe you find that then means I don't really actually pray for things that much because I just kind of don't really know how to navigate my way into it. I don't know where to start, what to prioritise, how long to spend on each thing. I don't know. So I, maybe it kind of almost puts us, repels us from prayer, maybe. I've felt that before. You start this and suddenly you're kind of feeling exhausted by it and then you're thinking, how do I then go and do that again the next day and the next day? Is there even now, is there even now just a, a breaking through free of these kind of these handcuffs, these these chains, a breaking free into freedom in our prayer? can almost even feel like a bit of a superstition, you know? Need to mention that name, need to do this, need to do this, need to do this. Oh, what if they then fall off their bike on the way to school because I didn't do it properly and, and all of this? It can, it can end up like that. Pray for this person, then the next one, then the next one. What if we forget something? But... Jesus is clearly saying, isn't he, this doesn't need to be like this. He's kind of dismantled that. It doesn't need to be like this. And that a true faith-filled prayer addressing our Heavenly Father can be short, can be holy, because it's actually directing or addressing the dynamic of our true relationship with the Father and that it can be powerful. We've had it recently, haven't we? Do it, do it by Wednesday. Haven't we? Do it by Wednesday. And, you know, it's a great prayer. I don't feel, when I hear that prayer, with, you know, there's not much context, there's not much, oh, well, Lord, you're holy and you're powerful and you can do this and anything, and you're outside of time and... All of that, it's just, yeah, Lord, do this. By, solve this matter by Wednesday. It's a, I don't feel that anywhere less kind of addresses the, the holiness, the authority, the power, the love of God, just by us being able to say, Lord, would you do this by Wednesday? Surely we're factoring all of that in when we're saying that. The Father, the Father, he's not, we use this word Father, but it's not always who we imagine. 
the Father. He's, he's a real Father. He's the most real, incredible, unimaginable Father that there could be. And the best thing about it is he says, you can just talk to me. So we can just talk to the Father. The Father gives us confidence because out of his goodness, we have confidence to bring these things to the Father. He's not kind of double-minded or corrupt in his heart. He's good. He's perfect. He can do the good thing by what we ask him to do. And beyond our imaginations, he's generous. He wants to give. He really, really wants to give to us. So actually, is Jesus saying, don't pray much, but then elsewhere, be persistent in prayer? Is, it a big, is this just a big contradiction? I don't think so. They're not opposites. Do keep knocking. Do keep knocking. But don't get locked into a life-draining duty where the emphasis is on your doing and not on your receiving. I think this ask, I don't know how you feel when you when you read it or you hear it read, but this ask passage is probably the most encouraging biblical passage on the subject of prayer. Surely it is. Ask me anything and you'll receive. Surely that's the most amazing encouragement to, to prayer. And there's lots of other ones. I know there's lots of other great ones, but I personally feel so encouraged to hear that and to, to meditate on that. Particularly if we're thinking of kind of private you know, or individual prayer. Come to me, ask. There's lots of other examples, isn't there? I love some of the prayers that we read in the book of Acts and then we quickly see, you know, an earthquake happening or something. That's a great encouragement too, particularly of kind of corporate together prayer. But I don't think there's a passage more encouraging just about your position of prayer before the Father as, as this. There's a simple, unconditional promise, isn't there? Simple asking receives. Simple seeking finds. Simple knocking gets us in. It's amazing. It says you know, to us, ask, seek, knock. Three things. But then Jesus then echoes that three more times. Because every person asking receives, and the seeker finds, and the person who knocks gets an opening. And then three more times again, what would the, what would the father be like if you asked for this and he gave you this? So six times, six times he actually responds to our three times. He's talking about his much, isn't he? His, his much. Our little bit of much. And then his big much. 
He's saying the way to the way to receive something from the Father is to talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to the Father. Not just to get your stuff that you're asking for, but that there's a receiving that's happening when you speak to the Father. Ask, seek, knock. The irony is, of course, we hear this, and as we've already said, each of us probably carries some huge bundle of wishes that never really become asking. How much, how much stress do you carry about things that you stress about them, they keep you awake at night, you talk to your wife or your husband about them, you commute to work worrying about them, but they don't really make it into becoming askings. Maybe it's just me, but I'm filled with them. There's so many things that I just don't think to say, right, I'm going to turn that into an asking. We've had a very difficult start to the year with our class that we, that we teach <laughs> together. Um, they're, a, they're a very lovely class, but it's very challenging. And there's obviously certain ways to work with them that we're just discovering and they're full of energy and they do crazy decisions and crazy things. It's enough to keep you awake at night. It's enough to wake you up in the morning. It's enough to fill you with dread when you're walking to work. But is it enough for me to turn it into an asking? Or do I just walk around carrying it? And then some other worry about the church. And then some family worry. And then something else. And then suddenly I'm carrying all this stuff. And I'm not getting to the point where I'm turning it into an asking. And how can, if I'm, if I'm so kind of long-winded about that approach, how can I? Too many, too many things. Here, Jesus is just, all he's doing is just opening the doors of true faith like as widely as they can possibly go in this passage. If you want to know anything about can I, can I come to the Father, can I ask, is it okay to look to God for these things? If you any, any kind of question along those lines, he's not mysterious about this. He's opening the door so fully just... If you ask me, if you seek, if you knock, it's so wide. There's no mystery to it. I think there's a big, there's a big mysterious lie going down about prayer. And Jesus saying, there's no mystery to it. I'm good. 
You ask. Doesn't need to be long. Just do it. I do think it's a lie. It's kind of formed in it's formed in legalism, it's formed in our sort of sense that our behaviour, our actions can elicit the response from the Father. There's nothing we can do that can do that. So that's a waste of time. If you're thinking my attitude of prayer needs to be a certain way that will then cause the Father's attention to look down on me just for a a tiny second, it's a waste of time. But it's a plain and simple invitation that Jesus is making. The trouble is when something becomes about did I do it right, then it doesn't really become so appealing. Every day being like an examination pressure, it doesn't feel very appealing. But I just sense even now, the Holy Spirit wants to unclog our hearts. Remember the other the other week, Mark was telling me about how they used dynamite to clear a log jam. I never knew of that before, but it can get so crushed and the forces can get so great that you can't even get one log out of the way. And the only way they can do is to, is to blow it up and hope that it releases the jam. And I just sense today that we're so clogged There's so much anxiety in this life. There's so much pressure in this life. We're so kind of clogged up that we can't really know where to start with the asking. The Holy Spirit wants to come to us and unclog that. Almost to the other way that we won't shut up. And not to this kind of not this kind of wordy babbling that that Jesus is confronting, but just simple asking, seeking, knocking on his door. Maybe even just now there's a moment, is your, do you feel clogged? you feel you've had so much going on recently you almost don't know where to start in prayer just just unclog your heart to him now Even now, just say all that, all that clogged stuff. I don't know where to start with kind of unpicking it. 
all that clog stuff. I just give it to you now. I entrust it to you now. You know everything. You know the best. You're a thousand million percent trustworthy. I just give it to you now. New start. We can approach the Father with such confidence because he's so good. Six times he says, if you do this, I'll, I'll do this. If you ask, I'll give. If you're coming to me, if you're coming to me looking for something, seeking for something, come to me with it, you surely will find it. If you're waiting for me to open up something, just come knock on the door and I'll open it up to you. It sounds too simplistic to believe, doesn't it? But this, this is really the words of Jesus. This is real. We often talk, don't we, when we have our meetings and staff, when we come together, we hear a lot of talk about this, um, like, what would you say, like this theology of we can come with confidence. Let's all come with confidence. Thank you, Lord, that we can come with confidence. But to what end, really? I believe that theology, but to what end? To what real-life outcome does knowing that theology affect the way that we come to God? Isn't it great that we can do that? We can talk about that, but then we don't, maybe don't really actually do it that much. Isn't it one of the most breathtakingly beautiful theologies that somehow in Christ we can just boldly come to the Father. That's insane, isn't it? But it becomes this kind of compartmentalised thing that we keep it in the back pocket when it's a quiet, quiet moment in the prayer meeting. Oh, yeah, but isn't it wonderful that we can come with confidence before you? Back in the back pocket. Oh, but, oh, no, I can't do this. Can't, oh, prayer life's hard. Oh, yeah, big meeting. Oh, isn't it good that we can come so confidently before you? When will, when will that theology actually come close to us and actually assert itself onto our words, onto our thinking, onto our hearts that we can just do it sometimes we sometimes in order to acknowledge greatness we kind of depersonalize things don't we it's the difference isn't it between like if you imagine a whatsapp message saying come round love to see you come round, or a, or a summons to go to court. 
They're both, they're both saying the same stuff, aren't they? You need to be here, you need to come at this time. Both doing the same job. One's really kind of wordy and, and precise and um, kind of invokes a lot of fear. One's short, not much preamble, just says, yeah, come over. They're both doing the same thing. And sometimes in the kind of attempt to recognize the, like the greatness of God, that we turn it more into that thing than into the intimate moment. Less is more, generally speaking. When we're talking of, when we're talking of intimacy with God, intimacy with one another, less is more. Less is more. We can be direct. Off the cuff is better than an essay, generally. This over formality can be a very tragic and very draining picture. Some of you will know um, our friend Angela Kem, and uh, she tells a story um, to us of um, going into an antique shop. She went into an antique shop in England, and they were selling all this stuff that they'd got from old schools and stuff like this. And um, they were selling this sign. It was like a blackboard, one of those blackboard signs, but it hand painted. And it obviously went, it was obviously posted up at some, I don't know, outsider, like um, maybe like a, a housing office or something where they would kind of dish out some kind of um, benefits to people. And um, on, the, on the sign it says, no begging or pleading. Some old sign. You wouldn't see it these days. No begging or pleading. It's against the rules. It's a workhouse mentality, isn't it? But to all of us now, no begging or pleading. No begging or pleading. We don't have to cower and beg. No begging or pleading. He's not the reluctant stepfather that wants to kind of somehow force us out of the inheritance. The Spirit says, doesn't it, that when the Spirit comes, we can cry, Abba, Father. Wow. No begging or pleading. Luther said in the monastery, he was never taught to ask in prayer, but in his discovery of justification by grace, he learned to approach the living God and ask without inhibition. So his understanding of the freedom, the justification by grace, actually opened up for him to go and ask so easily. So this, this theology of freedom and boldness should actually mean that we can outwork it by prayer. Right now, knock. Knock on my door. 
knock on my door. Jesus, he's, through these words, he's inviting us, isn't he, to just awaken a simple faith in the Father. The Father is good. He's ready to give. He's ready to give us, as it says, every good thing. Every good thing. Many of us need to hear that and know that now. I say many of us, I include myself. That the Father is ready to give us every good thing. And he's ready to give it out of an ongoing relationship and an ongoing encounter. Not a one-time only, can I say enough? Can I convince him enough? Jesus, this is the end now, Jesus doesn't just end the Sermon on the Mount like these prayer instructions that he gives with an expectation or an emphasis on the disciples' zeal or their devotion, their passion to prayer because that kind of emphasis would be a huge burden back onto them, wouldn't it? The much that he's talking about. The much is not on their shoulders, but the much is the Father's much. His much. He's saying, you can come and ask for much because I can give and I want to give much. Our reliance is on him, isn't it? Not on our prayer, but our reliance is actually on him. I just wonder if we finish there, and um, it'll be great just to have a few minutes to respond.